All right. Can I get a motion to authorize executive session for matters pertaining to uh, lease or acquisition of land and employment and employment? Excuse me. I'd make a motion to move executive session to after the superintendent's report. And a second. Second. All in favor? Yeah, I think that there are people here to comment. And I think that we do this where we go into executive session when there's members of the public here. And I, I think that we should let members of the public comment about things that are on the agenda before we go into public session, before we go into executive session. Mr. Um, I'm sorry. An undetermined amount of time. Mr. President, are they not going to be able to comment at another time? They can. There's public comment after executive. Okay. Yes. Then I, I don't, don't see the reasoning of moving it then. Public comment is after the presentation anyway, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask for your advice. Uh, if we only have two people and... Okay. Um, I'd ask for a straw poll or I'd ask for a vote. Um, can I ask another question? Isn't this what we usually decide on as a board? And then won't we be rediscussing how we run the format in January? One second. The agenda was already sent out, correct? Correct. So we'd be done Correct. I mean, you could even take a board, but it's not my right to do that. So I, mean, I don't think things, so things were, well, there are things that are being voted on that we're discussing in executive and things were added both over the weekend and this morning. And I'm, I had a family emergency on Saturday, on Saturday, and I I couldn't I couldn't look at it. So that's why. It, in I, I mean, to be frank with you, when we discussed them, um, in committee, I didn't think that we were voting on anything because that's what I was told. And then when committee minutes came back and there was email sent, we're now voting on things that we're going to discuss in executive without. I don't want to disclose anything. Um, and I think that it's important. Um, not to have members of the public sitting here while we sit in executive session. But, I mean, I understand. That's always what happens. Though. That's our format that we voted on. I don't think we can, like the solicitor said, I don't think we can change the format of the agenda. I don't remember voting on a format. So, I... I That's the way we just been, it's been done for... Okay. An hour. If that. 15 minutes. 30 minutes max. 30 minutes. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we can vote on it, but yeah, is there a second? No. All right. Steve seconded. Okay. Vote. Okay. Um, Mrs. Bailey. No. Mrs. Barna. No. Uh, Mrs. Nafis. No. Mr. Perticari. Uh, no. Mrs. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Dr. Rashuti. Yes. Uh, four, three in favor of no. So we'll keep the agenda as is. So now we need the to go into executive session. Can I get a motion to go into executive? Motion Barna. Second Nephis. All in favor. Or we'll go into executive for 30 minutes, uh, reconvene at 8 o'clock.
All right, welcome back. I'd like to call the meeting back to order. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes of the October 16, 2023 action meeting? Motion, Baggy. Second. Any questions on those minutes? All in favor? Uh, solicitor's report. Our solicitor is in attendance. I do not believe there is a report. Thank you, Ms. Grace. Superintendent's report, Dr. Gizmundi. Um, make sure you please see the attached uh, HIB report under executive student. Uh, just join us. Come to me. Hi. Hello. Hello. Oh, you're like, don't touch any buttons. I, I feel like you're just about to yell at me. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, obviously, we are uh, just presenting a little transportation update. Um, you know, we're calling optimizing transportation and planning for the future. Uh, during this meeting, uh, we're going to discuss the where and when did the concept of bringing transportation uh, in-house begin, the cost and how money was reallocated throughout the district, the conceptual plan overview, budget and funding, and of course, the next steps. So over the uh, past two years, for review purposes, during the 2021 school year, there was an approval to research and move forward with the district looking into opening our own bus depot to assist in saving money for the district. The original conversation and savings discussed was between $200,000 to $300,000 a year. Uh, that, that current board and past administration at the time thought it was a great savings and they wanted to pursue this concept. Uh, once they were able to see there would be a cost savings, the team was asked to move forward and looking for conceptual plans. Costs, savings, and of course, with the overall conversation, is this endeavor worth it? Over the past two years and a half, a lot of research has gone into ensuring numbers are correct and the district was moving in the right direction. Information regarding all this can be found dated back to 2021 within board minutes, uh, motions, and approvals. Building a bus depot has been recognized in almost every annual budget since 2022. So the next few slides we're gonna share are reminders of the financial claims that were proposed and now how we're able to actually see the costs. Maybe we're not. Oh, let me go back. This slide is based on the presentation that was presented at the January 2023 Board of Education meeting. What you see is the total cost of our existing staff, programs, outside privatized companies, and equipment as we began running our own special education runs, preschool, and all sports trips and routes. These numbers represent about 37% of our routes being in-house, something that was sent out uh, last year, if I recall, during uh, uh, January. This slide is based on the January 2023 presentation last year with projected numbers for the 2023-24 school year this year. These numbers, again projected, were used to show the board what the district would save by leasing the rest of the buses, hiring drivers, and purchasing equipment. So these are the numbers. Again, I think these were sent out as well last year. This slide represents the actual cost of running our own in-house transportation. Included in this cost is all of the new bus drivers, staff, mechanics, health benefits, fuel, bus leases, overtime substitutes, additional gas usage um, as of this month. After assessing these hard numbers, the district did save over $100,000 for using our own in-house busing. 
Did I say what I say? Oh God, no, it's 700,000. <laughs> what happened to so the real question comes into play um, or in the, of the money is brought up daily. What happened to the money? What happened to this reallocation of this money? In 2021-22, we had this transportation cost. First, let's start by understanding these numbers that you see. Using the comparison chart from slide number four, this was how much transportation cost the district in the 21-22 school year. The first number is the total cost of transportation for the district. This includes regular everyday runs, specialized transportation runs to different schools, runs we pick up from Gloucester County Special Services, sports, activities, and trips. The second number in parentheses is the number we paid out to our privatized company. With this second block, if you see this second, this is the second block. The, this depicts the cost of transportation with the overall transportation increase over that year. The second line in this block was the original anticipated cost when we had the sports activity runs combined with our regular runs. This number had to change due to no outside contractor placing bids for the sports trips and our runs. So now this third line in that same block, this rate, boom, boom, boom. This third line indicates the actual cost within this number in parentheses of what we paid out to our privatized company for our general education runs only. This past year, West Effort took over all of our special service routes and all the after-school activities, the sports, and the trips. As you can see, the district saved over $200,000 last year by having to take over these extracurricular activities. Within this third block, again, now I'm at this third block right here, which is this current school year, this depicts all West Effort runs with $0 paid out to a privatized company. The savings did come down to over $750,000. We did need to allocate some of that money to pay for additional gas, not projected since the majority of our buses were ho are housed currently in Swedesboro and another district. Press any buttons, right, Tom? All right, good evening. Uh, so this slide... The $700,000 savings are embedded in everything that we do. When we say savings, it means the reallocation of the monies that are spread throughout the entire budget. Translation, with some of the money saved, we were able to keep some of these additions and not make any cuts to staffing or programs. During our yearly budget, we take all of the costs to run a district, including but not limited to the cost of contract increases, health benefit increases, state funding, which changes from year to year, and all school-based needs. During this current budget, even with the addition of a brand new fleet and transportation department, we still were able to add in four and a half new teaching positions, update a K-8 math program, purchase new band uniforms, provide in-service training for staff, provide appropriate student services, and maintain a line item with money attached to begin the financing of a depot. Please note that when we state the word savings, this money does not go into a bank account where we are building interest. It means we are now able to reallocate this money throughout the entire operating budget without having to see major increases or cut staff and programs. What will this look like for our district? Most importantly, we need a safe place in West Efford to park our buses, build a garage, and create our transportation hub. We have identified a place in West Efford located at 950 Kings Highway. 
950 Kings Highway, that we can retrofit offices, build a bus lot, and place our transportation garages. As you can see from this slide, this is a layout of the property. The shaded area at the top is the existing house that we will need to retrofit. The bottom shaded area is the current garage to the right and a place where our newer garage will be built to the left. Surrounding the entire site is bus parking and employee parking as well. To the left, this existing garage will be for our smaller buses, our maintenance trucks, and to store large items such as tires, lifts, etc. The building to the right will be our new bus garage that will be built. This is the layout of that new bus garage. This garage will be able to hold two large buses, an office, and a bathroom. This slide is what the house looks like from the front and the back. To ensure we are ADA compliant, we will need to build a ramp to enter the front door and create a sidewalk behind the building to enter the bottom level. This bottom level will be retrofitted to house our director of facilities and assistant and our two dispatchers in the room to the left, a break room and training room for our current drivers and aides will be located in the center and offices for our transportation supervisor and transportation coordinator to the right. As we move forward, we realize there is going to be a cost to this project. The questions you may be asking are, how are we going to fund this? Or doesn't this defeat the savings for the reason on why we are privatizing? In the end, did we save anything? One thing we have learned while researching this project is that the cost of transportation seems to be going up all over the country. Because we now run our own department and fleet, we are able to control these expenditures and increases. The operating budget has always budgeted the money to provide transportation, no matter the cost. The saved money that we were able to reallocate proves this point. For funding purposes, we're looking to use an outside development authority on behalf of the district to assist in this project. This development authority is designed to provide efficient and effective methods to reduce the cost of capital financing projects to municipalities, schools, and other public and private entities to improve the quality of life to all facets of the county's populace. The district was able to reallocate some of this money that would have been normally given to an outside contractor, but can now be put towards this project and other meaningful needs for our district. We already have a line item in this current budget with money to begin purchasing, paying, and building a new depot for this current year or in the near future. We are now looking at a total projected cost of $3.6 million to complete this project. This includes the price for the property, house, the new garage, and the existing garage, renovations, professional services, and all monies needed to complete this project. This depot is located in West Deptford and is not connected to any school property. This cost comes in roughly $700,000 less than the original originally presented middle school property as discussed last December. What is the timeline? Once we get the final approvals starting from November throughout the next few months, there are a lot of approvals that will need to take place before we begin the project. During the summer, the house and garage renovations will take about three months to complete and the rest of the project should be complete by February of 2025. There are a lot of items that need to be approved through the DOE, EPA, 
local planning boards, etc. before we can begin this process. Once approved to move forward, the work would occur over the summer and the overall project to be complete by February of 2025. This concludes our presentation. At this time, do any board members have any questions? I, I do have a question. Will we be then renting from where we are in Swedesboro all the way until February? And is that, are they allowing that? Yes. Um, yes, we will still be using that property until this is complete. You talk about money in that's been held over or like a, that's in a line item budget. How much money has been held over and that is going to be used towards this? So two years ago, the line item was created. Uh, I don't know what the number was then. In this current budget, there is uh, $700,000 on that line currently. Any other board questions? I Where'd that $700,000 come from? Uh, it was in the general fund budget that was approved prior to me. So back in the March and April meeting. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Gizmondi, and thank you, Mr. Jakubowski, for your, your updates. Uh, moving on to courtesy extended to visitors. We have another presentation. Oh, another one. My bad. Dr. Carvalho, another NJSA update. I'm sorry. Skip. All right. Every year, our students take New Jersey Student Learning Standards Assessment, and they take it in the spring. So we're required to come present the performance to the board of how our students did for this test. I will start off by saying I don't believe that these scores are reflective of the work of our teachers or the ability of our students. Our performance has gone down. Um, we are working ferociously to make adjustments in our curriculum and our standards to get better performance coming in the spring. Um, and I'll kind of go over some of the things that we're doing at the end. We do our own internal assessments. And one of the things that we have found is like we have students that are high flyers that are doing well academically when we assess them with our internal controls and then obviously what they get home to their parents. So, you know, our performance is done. We recognize that we're two years out from COVID. This third grade class where, you know, the performance, we have great concern. This is the kindergarten class that went out during COVID. So they definitely, um, you know, didn't get what they would normally, we know the gold standard is in in-house instruction, being in person. So we recognize all of that. And um, I'm going to go ahead and present it. The format that I have to present it in is the way that the state requires for when we get CUES Act. Um, can, Tom, can you go to the next slide? It's not, when we run the report, it's not a PowerPoint. He just, he knows my rhythm. <laughs> All right, so I have to give you a district analysis, a school analysis and demographic analysis. In the district analysis, um, we'll start there. We'll start with ELA. So when the students take the test, there are five different levels that they can achieve. The first um, level being exceeding expectations, meeting expectations, approaching expectations, partially meeting, and not meeting at all. And you can see there that we tested a little over 1,400 students here in West Stepford. And the grades that we tested for ELA are grades three through nine. 
And then you can see within that column, there's the state performance and then there's the district performance. So for literacy, we did outperform the state in sixth grade and seventh grade. So the state was, for example, they were at 49%. Um, in sixth grade, we were at 57%. In seventh grade, we were at 65%. The state was at 56%. Um, ELA, I mentioned to you guys that third grade group, the states at 42% were at 35%. So that right there, if you go to the next slide, Tom, you're going to see in every section that we present to all of you that there's the percentage slide and then there's the bar graph slide. So that right there is just a pictorial version of a bar graph of the numbers that you saw on the previous slide. So now we'll move on to math. In this section for fifth grade, we were right where the state was. The state was at 40%. We were at 40%. For um, grade six math, we outperformed the state. For grade eight math, we outperformed the state. For algebra, we were right where the state was. They were at 35. We were at um, 35. Uh, with the exception of the middle school, you, as you're aware, we give high school credit for geometry and algebra. Those are like our best of the best students and those students outperform the state and actually we outperform the county in that. Um, in geometry, we outperform the state. They were at 54, we were at 62. Algebra two, we also outperformed the state. They were at 50, we were at 67. So we'll kind of go to the next slide, Tom, and just, again, that's just the bar graph version of what I just shared with you. Students also, we can keep moving. We also test outside of ELA and math, we test science. So we test science in, in fifth grade, eighth grade, and 11th grade. Um, I can tell you for fifth grade science, we were at 22%. Can you go to the bar graph? It might make it easier to look at. Um, for fifth grade, this one's a little bit different because there isn't five levels. There's four levels. You're either advanced, proficient, limited, or minimal. So for science, we were at 22. The state's at 27. Uh, grade eight, the state's at 18%. We're at 17%. Um, for 11th grade science, the state's at 30%. We're at uh, 21%. All right, go to the next slide. So school analysis, we don't have any schools to compare because we only have at the elementary level, all of our third and fourth grade students are all housed. So if we were a bigger district where we had other elementary schools, we this is kind of where this information would come into play. So I'm not really going to go over all of this. It's, it's there for all of you guys. We'll have it posted. But these are just the same exact numbers, just listing third and fourth grade performance for Greenfields. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. It's the same thing for the middle school. Keep going, Tom, till we get to the last section. The middle school, we don't have another middle school to compare, so there's no school analysis to compare there. It's just these are our middle school performance, and that's what you saw in the district analysis. And the same thing, we only have one high school. And then you're going to go to 32, Tom. Page 32, yes. Yes. 
So the last section that we're required to present to you is a demographic analysis. So these are all the subcategories that we look at. We look at ethnicity. Um, you'll see me go through program. Program means like if um, an LEP program or if it's a 504 program or an IP program, we look at that. So this slide right here specifically speaks to ELA with the subgroup of race. So you can see how many students we have that were Asian, Black, Hispanic, Latino, or multiple race, uh, white students, and then all students. And it just kind of breaks down how many students you tested. And then within those students, where the different ethnicities or race, they fell within the performance level for ELA. And then the next slide, Tom, thank you, is just a bar graph of that information. And then math, again, the race is broken down again for you. So you can see the different performance of the different races within West Stepford and how they perform. The slide after that is a bar graph of the percentage. And then the last one is science. Again, that's the breakdown for science for the three grade levels that were tested. The next thing we look at is gender. This is what the state polls. That's slide 40. Where are we at? Keep going. Yeah. There you go. Right there. Right. Keep going. Hold on, Tom. Okay. All right. So here in this performance, this just tells how female students did again, did tested against male students. And this is the breakdown of our students and for the different levels for elementary, middle and high school. It shows for you to see how the male students, female students did against each other in, um, in ELA. And then the next slide should be a bar graph. And Tom, can you just go back up for one second? Traditionally, this tends to be the case in West Stepford. You see um, the female students outperform the male students in ELA. That's something that we've kind of noticed um, throughout, at least since I've been here in 2015. Um, we've done things to kind of address that. For instance, like we intentionally put very specific literature in front of the boys to engage them to be more... Um, you know, more enticed to read at the middle school level because sometimes they're not as, you know, not as thirsty as uh, some of our girls are with reading. So we try to do different things to get them involved. I'll let you scroll to the next one, Tom. This is math. You can see here. And then if you want to go to the bar graph, that's female male performance. This tends to fluctuate um, with math with females and males and keep going. And then science, this is, again, the breakdown by gender. And then the last slide. Now, this is what I talked about with the subgroups. So the subgroups being free and reduced, Section 504, ELL, special ed, gen ed. So technically, you get sometimes you get counted two or three times. You could be a special ed student, um, but you could also be free and reduced. And you can be ELL. So the state... Although they're giving you the numbers and saying these are where your, you know, your students did in these subgroups, you kind of have to on the districts then go back and back in and say, okay, Shawnee Carvalho, you know, you're free and reduced, but are you also being counted as a specialized student? That's, we kind of drill down and look at those numbers. So that's just a breakdown by programming. And then same thing, the bar graph for all of you. 
And then there's the math performance by programming and then the bar graph that goes with that. And then the last slide is science for programming and the bar graph that goes with that. And one of the things um, as we kind of get to the end that I shared with uh, when, I sh when I presented this in committee, uh, Ms. Nafis is our committee chair. Um, I shared with everyone, I have third grade students and my, my girls are, I'm not just saying that because they're mine, but I do have one that reads at a seventh grade level and one that reads at a fifth grade level. And um, when they took their assessment, I knew that wasn't reflective of their performance. So I think there was probably a little nervousness because they came home, they're like, Mom, I don't think we did well. And they were right, they didn't do well. Um, you know, and there are adjustments that we have to make. And one of the things that made me think about, like as a parent, that sometimes that maybe the academic vocabulary is not transferring onto the test with the, with certain kids. And I feel like that's the, that could be, that's the conversation we're having as teachers because we see these kids in the classroom every day and they're doing really well for us. There are high flyers, but then you could have a, you know, two children like mine that are high flyers and they took the assessment. They didn't do well. And I was a little taken back because I expected them to be in that exceeding expectations. And, um, you know, they didn't have a good day. So I'm not saying that as an excuse as to where our performance is, but in my heart of heart, I um, don't believe that this one blimp, I mean, we have high school students sitting over there. I, you know, the testing environment is an NGSLA. And do you guys come in there all peppy and ready to show? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we want you, you know, I, what we try to tell the students is like, this is your opportunity to show the public and show show the board, you know, what your teachers do with you daily. So please really take it seriously and please really try because we know that you have the ability to do that. And I just, I'm not happy with this performance. We're not happy with this performance and there are things that we're doing in our end to make adjustments. So recently at our November in-service, we were able to, um, we had all the test release items. So we were able to sit with our teachers and our different data teams that at our at, at all of our buildings. And we looked at the standards to where we were instructing those standards and are we spending enough length of time in those standards for when the performance um, gets assessed in in this in May. So we know we have to make certain adjustments like with fractions. We're like, all right, you know what? We're not hitting fractions till after this assessment, but it's being it, you know, it's being tested and our students in certain lower grades aren't doing well. And we know the reason part of the reason is we're hitting the standards after the fact. Um there's a lot of nonfiction. So we're working with social, our social studies and science teachers to kind of let them know like the responsibility just doesn't fall onto the literacy and math teachers as they've got to get them all ready. What can we do to share some of the responsibility in writing to help our teachers expose students for when they encounter these nonfiction texts in front of, you know, all or students when they encounter these nonfiction tests on the assessments, what can we do to make adjustments to help prepare and support them? Um, all of the teachers have access to all of the student data. So they know not only what that hard score is, that number score, but then they have the breakdown of where the standards are that we need to do better on. And we've come up with action plans to make curricular adjustments for our students. Um, one of the things we were hoping to get was the NJ High Impact Grant. Unfortunately, our district was not awarded the grant because um, we really wanted to concentrate and give a little bit more supports to some of our students in a before and after school program at our third and fourth grade because we took a we took a hit 
down at that lower level. Um, we didn't get the money, but that doesn't mean we're still not going to um, offer services. We do have tier supports like within our, you know, within our schools, um, but we recognize work has to be done. So I want the public to hear that we are making instructional adjustments and um, we know that we can do better and we will do better. We only have one way to go, which is up. And we've done it before because when I took over in 2015, you know, our scores were not, they weren't the best. And within, I think, three to four years, we ticked up and then we did get recognized as a lighthouse district and specifically for great growth in our demographic groups. And we want to see that again. So we know that we can do it. We've kind of said to the teachers, it's been two years, we're out of COVID, like we're not out of COVID, but I don't want anyone to take that statement wrong. Um, it's been two years where we feel like we're really back to normal. Let's put, um, you know, let's get down to it and get our students where we need them to be. So girls, when you're up at that high school, you tell those high school kids how important this is because you're sitting here, student representatives, um, or even when you go down to the middle school, like really try your best, do your best because we know, we know how great our students here are in West Bedford. And that's what I got. Questions? <laughs> Something. We want it all the time. <laughs> So I do have a question. Yes. Oh, sorry. I just wanted two two parts. So mm -hmm. the presentations are important and I would just like to request moving forward that we maybe dive deeper into them or spend like a time in ELA or a time in math. And because I'd look forward to what you what the district is doing, especially you mentioned third grade. So um and I, I see that in my own district, that third grade across the board having a lot of difficulty because of ending kindergarten mm -hmm. not being there for most of first grade but then i would like to know what you know the special yeah. things we may be putting in place for third grade and for any other areas that you guys have identified yeah and what we can definitely do that we can bring our ap's in that are if there are boots on the ground like we meet with them collectively and um they execute what we think will help support the students so we can kind of look at it more intimately because we have we outside of this big testing window we have the state we have our own small little internal windows of assessments that we're doing and we can kind of bring that to the board and share that with you guys because it's not just like we're it isn't like third grade we start doing things we start working on on assessments with the kids from kindergarten on up you're welcome i have a question mm -hmm. so i obviously i have a third grader um and they're now the fourth grade class and they have some of the biggest classrooms in the entire district. Um, I think some of the classrooms have 26 kids. Some of them have 27 kids and they've consistently been the biggest. When you look back um, on on this forum, it, it, I think they were the biggest class testing 231. What impact um, does that have on testing and what are we doing to address that? So at the K to three level, the numbers are smaller. So in fourth grade, that this was a particularly big group. We have certain groups where they're bubble groups, and your your child, this grade level, um, it is a bubble group where we have. Um, I think it's two eighteen now. I could be off on that number. I don't think it's that the number that's reflected because those are now fifth graders now. Um, we do have some classes that are at twenty six, so we have a total of nine uh, fourth grade classrooms. And I'm just looking at the numbers here. We have. One, two, three, three classes that are at 22, 23. And then we have another three that are at 26, 25. Um, 
And then the balances of the other three are at like 24 or something like that. I'm just looking at these numbers here. So we we don't have room to add another teacher because in order to make that class size go down, we would have to add another fourth grade class. So one, we, it would be an unbudgeted item where we don't have, I'm, I'm trying to look at them, but also answer you, Kim. So I'm not, not looking at you. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we put classes in place based on our registration that we have. Um, we don't have the financing or the classroom to actually open up another fourth grade classroom. Um, so, you know, we've put instructional supports down there at that lower level, like for third and fourth grade, we're sharing our, um, our literacy coaches. They're kind of co-teaming together to put supports in and, um, we we have them floating in and out and doing in-class supports, but then also doing pull-out supports to our neediest students. So I can't produce another teacher or another classroom because we don't have it, but we are aware that this those numbers for that fourth grade group um, is high. And we're looking at the lens of just ensuring that there's supports in the classroom. It's just, it feels unfortunate that the third grade class or now the fourth grade class drew the short straw. And so they are scoring lower and there's nothing that we can do about it because there's no, there's no root, there's no room for them. That's, I guess there's no. I wouldn't say that they're drawing the short score because, or straw, sorry, not score, because um, we've had higher class sizes um, at that level. Um We've intentionally really tried to keep it lower at the K to three level. So it's just when those kids were in K to three, they had a lower class size. So I don't think that my opinion that they've drawn the short straw by going to fourth grade now and their their um the numbers have gone up because we haven't seen their performance yet for fourth grade. When they were in third grade, they were at a lower class size. They were at that 22, uh, 23 class size number. So that isn't reflective of what we have now in fourth grade. I mean, we can look at that when those scores come back in the spring and see if that's the case, um, but it's not the case right now. Sean, I have a question. Um, a couple of years ago, I think there was a similar situation where we had a year where we had a lot, a lot of kids born and um, I think it was like third grade that that, that, that that happened where we had larger classroom size and then they moved up to fourth grade, and I believe we had to add an, we had to add another teacher in third grade. And then when they moved up to fourth grade, we swapped teachers. Do you remember that? Yes. So can you tell me, like, if there was any like in a similar situation, did that affect it? Like, as a follow up to what Kim was talking about. So way back before all of us were sitting here on in this, the district went through a major budget cut, and they cut bodies, and this. Board, I'm saying this board, but I mean the board that has been sitting since 2015 to present. They have consciously made efforts to ensure that we bring that ninth teacher back. So that one particular um, bubble that you're talking about, uh, they were at nine in third grade, and then we moved that we moved that fourth grade group and moved that teacher to that to kind of bring those numbers down a little bit, um, but we're committed to making sure that like before I'm just looking at the numbers kindergarten used to have eight teachers now we have nine teachers same thing with first grade second grade so 
again, prior to all of you guys, there were cuts and we had to take those numbers and split it amongst eight teachers, which do the math, that's high class size. So within from 2015 to now, the board has um, brought back that, an additional teacher to lower those class size numbers at the K to three level. So, so really what I was trying to find out was a comparison to back then till now. Did, do you think back then that having the larger class size affected the test scores? I mean, if you ask Dr. Gizmondi, he probably had 30 in his class. <laughs> I mean, having lower class size is ideal. I'm not going to sit up there, sit up here and say that because I know my, my, our teachers are listening. So they know that I, you know, I do believe in having a, a lower class size, but we also have lots of other things at play here. Um, we do have a higher um, free and reduced rate. We have a probably the highest special ed, and again, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm sure, um, in the county and also the, the state. So between the socioeconomic and um, the special ed, those numbers are playing into 30% of your performance. And it's not that those students can't do well, but you also have to be aware that they may not be meeting the state benchmark, but those students went from, um, you know, uh, level four or level two to level three. So there's growth in that. So we do say like, wow, that, you know, that kid didn't get that score they needed to be a level five, but they went from a two to a three. And we're proud of that, that special ed student that made that growth. And I think when the public sometimes looks at numbers and they see that percentage, like they have to be reminded it's, it's all of the students being put together. And that's why you kind of have like that breakdown of, uh, uh, of race and gender and program performance. So you can see that. Could you tell me how many are you allowed per grade level? Is it? We're not what's considered an old. Well, they don't use, I'm going to say Abbott, but it's not, we still use the term as Abbott. Like, and that's for a district that's really um, uh, financially, their demographics are, uh, have, I'm trying to think the best way to say that. They're, are like we're not required by the state to say we have to have 21 students in a class or fifth or 18 students in a class because we're not considered um, an economically disadvantaged district. Okay, but we do have a you know we do have a policy. I don't have it in front of me where we I want to say it's like 25 or I'd have to go back and look and then put it in Friday notes for you guys. Um, I just don't know it off the top of my head um, where we really don't want to go over that 25, 26 number, but sometimes like you have kids that come in mid-year and we're not going to open up a classroom for a class that went up to 27 for one kid because then you're now calling parents to say, okay, um, you know, Miss Nafis's class has now gone to 20, you know, 27. So we're going to take those kids and pull them out and give them a whole new teacher. It's just not something like that we would do on our level. I mean, if it got exceedingly where we had like 40 students, like, you know, something like that, then we would obviously come to the board and say like, look, we can't have a class size of this amount. We need to, you know, we have these additional students that came in. We need to hire another teacher. But for when you're going back and forth in 25th, 20, 20, 25, 26, we kind of just recognize it and try to support the teacher in the classroom. So I have one fine. Mm -hmm. So with the splitting of Red Bank and Ophio, it's my understanding that some of the classrooms at Red Bank are significantly smaller, because I also have a younger child, are significantly smaller at Red Bank than they are at Ophio. So I 
you know, I, I think it would be interesting and, and I'm asking mm-hmm. that we track once the students reach third grade, um, the students that came from smaller classrooms mm-hmm. at Red Bank versus the students that came from bigger classrooms at Oakview. Because I can tell you that my, my, and this is my, my child had 20, I think 24, 25 in kindergarten and is in a first grade classroom with 23 right now. So, and I've heard at some of the classrooms at Red Bank are in the teens. So, you know, and I've heard comments from teachers who have said that it, 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 it those five or six kids make a big difference. So I'm I'm looking at our numbers. So if I look at the kindergarten numbers, we have um, nine classrooms over there. So classroom one has 20 kids. Classroom two has 21 kids. Classroom uh, three has 21 kids. 21 again at classroom four. 20 kids in classroom five and 21 in classroom six. Okay, so that's for kindergarten. Then you go over to Red Bank. Um, it's 19, 17, and 16. So, you know, there is a difference between having 20 kids in the classroom versus having 19, 16, and 17, but it's not an astronomical difference. And I see Sue sitting in the audience there because we worked directly with her to balance these numbers in the district. Um, but just the, when we actually redrew lines within, um, within to, be, to ensure that we were trying to get the numbers as close as possible because I had gone to school. I'm like, we cannot have a classroom that, why well, have a classroom that has like 13, 14 kids. And then I've got another classroom sitting over there, you know, with, with 24, 22. So she worked really hard to balance the numbers. But sometimes again, we have people or we have families that move in and in moving in, sometimes you do have a classroom where there are 20 students sitting in that kindergarten classroom at Oakview. And then you have a class of 16 students. So I think it's, I I don't disagree with you. Like, let's look at the numbers and track those students. You know, those three, three classrooms that were over at Red Bank, it's very easy for us to pull that information from data to compare, um, the six classrooms that are over at Oakview. So I don't think that's a great suggestion and it's something we kind of do internally, um, but we don't necessarily share it out with the board. It's just something that, you know, we're looking at administratively to say, okay, well, these these students had this teacher um, and this teacher had X amount of students. How did it compare to uh, to other students? So I think that's a suggestion that we can definitely bring forth to the board. Any other questions for Dr. Carvalho? Thank you, Dr. Corral. Uh, moving on to courtesy extended to visitors. This portion of the meeting is reserved for comments by the public regarding items on this meeting agenda prior to board action. Should a member of the public wish to address the board on a topic not listed on this agenda, there will be a second public comment after the board's regular business has been conducted. Residents who wish to address the board are required to state their name, their address, and the agenda item they will be commenting on. Can I get a motion to open public comment for agenda items only? Second, Nafis. All in favor? Public comment is now open. All right. First, I'll have Mr. Grazioli. He will be discussing E3, G21, and G27. Yeah. I can send it to you, and we, we will post it on our website, so you don't have to. Like, are you going to do it, like, moving forward? Like, can we do it, like, prior to the meeting, so that, like, something that we can, like, look at that and then, like, have questions? And, like, As board so members, that. you get to see it. So yeah. this, um, in curriculum. Same. Sit on this side. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to see that prior to coming to the meeting? If anybody actually does come to meetings, 
You know what I mean? Like if they want to have that information and data to like ask questions to bring it up to you prior to. I don't know if that's like something that legally they can do. Or so, hello, uh, I can respond to that. So legally, there's no obligation to provide the material um, in in advance. I mean, there's the agenda which is provided in advance, and that has to have you know the specific information that it does. Um, mainly also because things can potentially in these presentations change depending on if there's executive session or there's specific privileges that, that are held in them prior to um, disclosure to the public. Okay. So, but it is, we will, you know, share out on our website so everyone has access to it. Okay. okay. But I'll make sure um, I'll get your email address and I can email right. it to you to have it directly. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question then? I'm sorry. I don't know normally, but then can people from the audience ask about this topic next meeting then since they'll have it? So the, certainly, because there's a portion in the in the agenda. Not right now. We're talking about agenda items only, but there's public comments um, that for non-agenda items. So if there's carryover, or if there's you know just something that the the member wants to address that's not even on the board's radar, they can definitely address that. Absolutely. All right. So kind of going off of that, I know I have a couple other things, but I'm sure Matt's going to touch on most of it. But um, we're talking about saving money um with the bus stuff we're right there we're, we're just also discussing about how another teacher would be beneficial um we also have issues with hvac what we're talking about and we're seeing student scores are reflected by not having that extra teacher so the money that we save with the busing would be potentially something that we could put towards something like that with that line item now i have one question about the line item is there something that we could do for bond is it instead of coming out of the budget, can you bond for any of this stuff when we're when we're going to try to build this uh, bus depot? So uh, one of the next steps, like you mentioned, was to start working with the uh, development authority, and that is something that we would sit down with them and see if that is a potential option. Okay. Is there any other? Are you if you can answer this? Is there any other competition to purchase that property? other so, than us? So I, I can I can jump in here again. Um, so pursuant to OPMA, which is, you know, statute governing these meetings, real estate, there's specific portions of real estate negotiations that we can and cannot discuss. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's just one of the parts that we cannot I'm discuss not, um, during public comment. Yep. So you guys pretty much covered it with, the, with your presentation. So I'll leave it at that. Go from there. So okay. thank you. Thank you, Mr. Grazioli. Uh, next up, Mr. Deccan. He is referencing E3, E4, G20, G21, G. There's a bunch. 24, 29, mm -hmm. and J14. Is Perfect. that? A I'm going to go out a little out of order just because the presentation here. So, um, first and foremost, the NJSLA scores. Um, while I love that we're very focused on the third grade. I've been up here speaking about the kids that are currently in the seventh grade. This is the exact same issue that grade had. Um, at that time, it was 56 and 57% of the students were in tier one, two, and three, um, not meeting benchmark. Um, it appears from what we just saw that those grades for ELA are still at 50% for level one, two, and three. And then for math level one, two, and three, 60% of the kids are not to benchmark. So I would say that I would love for this board who may be voting on this land 
to actually set back and think about what you can do with $3.6 million to get these kids academically where they belong. We're not there. The seventh grade is exactly what that third grade that you were talking about. It's exactly what's been happening in the seventh grade. Um, G20, the three-year preschool operational plan. I'd love to understand a little bit about the challenges. So you're talking about in your challenges, the bond referendum uh, it being a two-year process, um, the need for the three-year-old offering. How long have we known that we needed to do that? So when the district obtained a grant, um, there was always that information put out there that we need to get to our universal number. So we're currently at our universal number for our four-year-olds. Um, the other option that we have is to partner with a Head Start. Um, there aren't any available spots with Head Start. I do have an email out to the local Head Start agency to see um, if that's a possibility for incoming. But once it goes to Head Start for three-year-olds, we won't be able to control um, any of that. So that's not something the district has necessarily been comfortable with. We support Head Start. Um, but if there was a direct issue with a three-year-old, it would have to go through the Head Start program. And um, we don't have control quality over the hiring of teachers. Um, the other thing that is a budget restriction for us is whatever you do for regular ed, you have to do for special ed. So if we... Our, since we're, we're, we have to push towards making our three-year-old program meeting that universal number and we're not there, we have to hire additional special ed teachers to um, make the full day special ed classrooms, make them full day and not half day. So in the budget, there isn't that budgetary item for me to accept that additional $2.8 million, don't hold me to that number, um, but it would be roughly about that, what we would get for three-year-olds. But one, we don't have the classrooms to house these students. And two, um, we don't have the funding currently for the full-time special ed teachers that we would have to have um, in order to do this. So we've been aware of this from the inception of us receiving the grant and we've made certain adjustments. Like we've gone to the local... Um, the local facilities that are considered like daycare and we've offered to them to say, can we take over your facilities? We would pay you a rently, uh, you know, a rent, uh, uh, you know, we would pay the rent and then we would be able to hire our own teachers. We would outfit. That isn't something that they've been receptive to. Dr. Gizmundi has um, gone around to uh, different buildings because they're very specific requirements you have to have with preschool for playgrounds, for classroom size, for bathroom accessibility. And, um, you know, it's something we know that we've, we've had, we have to work towards addressing. Sure. I, I, I'm asking because I feel like when my seventh grader was going in, we finally got full day kindergarten. When my second grader was finally coming into um, pre-K four, um, my understanding was that we received money from the state, perhaps um, through a grant or whatever means that was, but with the intention of we were getting two, three, to have three and four pre-K in-house. So how long have we been working towards this, but now we're waiting for a bond? To well, we've had a change. I mean, I, I'm probably the longest one sitting here outside of maybe Nancy or Drew, but I will say we've had a change in district leadership and we've had six different superintendents and that has been problematic for the district. However, under the leadership of Dr. Gizmundi, he has very solidified plans for addressing that where with other superintendents that, you know, necessarily hasn't been... Um, it, it's been on the docket, but it hasn't put, put to the forefront. But, you know, 
we're meeting actually next week to look at classrooms and see, you know, maybe we need to move around um, certain grade levels in order to accommodate this because we recognize like full day kindergarten came under when I started in 2015, um, preschool came over. So these are things that are important to me because I see the benefits of it. And I know under his leadership, he sees the benefits of those things. Sure. I mean, Going back prior to you, Kristen yeah. O'Neill was up here mm -hmm. saying about the changing demographics yep. of the district. Mm -hmm. That was my Absolutely. second year. So okay. it, it's been a while. So you would just, I guess we would agree to disagree that um, we, it hasn't been a priority until now. I would say it's always been a priority for the district, but there have been other pressing needs. And I mean, when you come sit on the board, you will see that um, sometimes things within a school system doesn't necessarily move or extend itself the way that we would like it to because we're held by certain restrictions, but I sit here in front of you and I, I believe I speak for Dr. Money and ourselves. Like it's something that, you know, I wouldn't spend as much time or write a grant for something that I didn't believe in because we're going to, we're going to reap the benefits with performance for these students. If the earlier we get them. Sure. I, I would just say that the priority is the buses, not for pre-K three. Um, the long range facility. So this is E3 as well as G21. Um, I'd love to know, um, of that 3.6, what is the actual cost of the land? So I'm going to just go back to what I, I believe I said to Mr. Grazioli, which is sure. that's that's protected and we okay. can't share that. That's fine. Um, so what I did is I went back and I just did the math. So $3.6 million divided by the $6,000 lease that we have in Swedesboro gives us 600 years to figure this out. Again, $6,000 a year. A year versus the $3.6 million that you guys are about to spend to bring this thing in-house. Um, I would love to know where I can find the original public plan, the five-year plan, and then also where would I, as a, as a citizen of the community, where would I have found tonight's plan prior to today? And I asked because as you were spouting numbers, we originally started at two hundred thousand. Then that went to three hundred thousand dollars savings. Then that went to five hundred thousand dollars savings. Then we saw six hundred thousand dollars. Then we jumped to four seven hundred and forty six, and now we're at seven hundred and nine. And I noticed that fifty thousand dollars even is gas. The, the fifty thousand was that was added on because we are down in Switzerland. Is that what? Okay. Yeah. Are you asking that? I don't. Is that a question or? No, I'm just. I'm. I'm asking where that where I could find the original plan. The long range facilities. Several plans. Where's the original one that this is the amendment to? Uh, I can locate that. Normally we deal with our architect in order to update that with the NJDOE. Okay. Um, and then on this item, I would love to know individual board members where you stand on not notifying the public, whether you stood for it being made public prior to this evening and not. Is that something that we can do? That's not a question we can answer. Okay. Uh, G24, it looks like you're outsourcing instructional assistance now. Um, so is that the priority over busing? Um, I did myself a little research and it looks like the Delta T group actually hires um, their uh, instructional assistance for $22 an hour. Do we know what we currently pay instructional aides um, here in-house? Do they get $22 an hour? Um, it's a tier system. I, I did some math and it doesn't look like they're making 20. So 
I noticed that there was no costs for their services in tonight's agenda. Are there costs? Yes, there are costs. Are they, are they public? They can be. Okay. Right now we're short. That's great. Right now we are short aides, um, about eight aides in our district that we're still trying to hire. We're really pushing. We're doing a good job. Uh, we're almost getting there. Uh, we are putting out Delta T because we still need the supports in the classroom. Right now we're doing everything in our power to make sure we have the students in the classrooms to support um, what the students needs in their IPs, what the teachers needs every day. Okay. Uh, J14. Um, so I'm just wondering how many candidates were interviewed for this position? Which J14, sorry. J14 on the agenda. Um, two candidates. Okay. And it we did turn down an ex-state champion and a former college coach. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I cannot talk about that. No, okay. Please. Awesome. So the last part of it, I'll leave you with before you guys vote. Um, I'd like for you to see the school text, the book that came in from the library. This is the quality. This is what we see at the elementary level. I know some of you guys don't have elementary school students, but I want you to see this is the kind of condition the books come from. I'd also like to make sure that you guys see what the auditorium seats look like in the, in the high school. Before you go spending $3.6 million, this is what the auditorium condition looks like. So again, I would just ask for priorities to be put where they should be. I got to address the books because when I look at that book, that is a well-loved book, meaning that the, it's been taken out so many times and that is not representative of the books that are in our libraries. I know this because I'm constantly replenishing books within our library. So although I know you brought, I can't address the stadium, the seating, but I'm going to address the it books. Yeah, because it's a well-loved book. They're taking it out so much and they're little ones and, you know, sometimes they're a little rough with our books, but our students have access to great literature down at that lower level and um, the curriculum office makes very special effort to uh, replenish books and then expose the kids to new books that come out because I know that because I'm down there reading those books and I get the wish list from the librarians to say this is what we want and we get them the book so thank you for bringing the book to show how well loved it is um, but I don't it's not I don't want the public out there to feel that our students are getting access to books that are falling apart because that's not the case. I just had to address that. That's okay. We know. <laughs> um, but also, you know, to address it, you know, thank you for setting the picture of the auditorium. I think everyone that's been in an auditorium knows that it's 30 years old and it hasn't been upkept in over 30 years. There is a plan in place um, that we'll be delivering in the next uh, two days uh, that will be addressing a lot of the HVAC systems, the auditoriums, the staging, the lighting, the atriums, the classrooms, the building on the classrooms, uh, a lot of different things. Again, being a year and a half in here, being a, a district uh, em employee, being a resident, um, I, I don't need to see them in a picture. I see them every day when I walk through the schools. And yes, there were a lot of things that the district is doing. We can't do them overnight. There's a lot of things that have to occur to make that happen, Matt, I don't see your face. Yeah, I, I, a lot of things have to happen to make that occur. Um, and, you know, we're moving forward with that and we're going in that direction. So thanks for sharing the pictures. Um, a lot of the things that you are mentioning, we're not talking about $100,000 or $200,000 or $500,000 or $4 million or $6 million. 
you just referenced things that are almost 20 to $25 million. And you cannot just do that in an operating budget at all. So there are a lot of things in place that are going to be moving forward. And congratulations on being on the board. You will be part of that, um, which is really exciting. But we're also asking parents in the next two days, you know, Wednesday, when my notes go out to the entire public, which I also do the community board notes that go out every single week. And I also post a lot of the presentations that we have. Um, additionally, there'll be a letter going out to parents to have a uh, advisory group to assist in what we need to do to move forward to start bringing the skeletons of our school uh, back to where they were when I went through the school and when you went through the school. So thanks for bringing that. It's actually really helpful um, in the next two days. Thank you. All right. Uh, I don't see any other uh, agenda items in person. Mr. Tucci, are there any virtual comments? No? Thank you, Mr. Tucci. Can I get a motion to close public comment related to agenda items? Motion, Baggy. All in favor? All right. Moving on to regular business, uh, finance. Mr. Baggy. Thank you, Dr. Rashudi. Um, the Finance Committee met on November 14th. Uh, we discussed transportation, um, including updates on the past steps we've taken, the next steps we want to take. Um, we reviewed the transportation presentation that was given tonight, and we discussed the uh, letter of commitment to pursue the acquisition of land for a bus depot. Uh, that's item G27. Uh, the letter of commitment will essentially show you know, the board's seriousness about the, the piece of land and allow the administration to begin the discussions with the, the landowner and the um, improvement authority. Um, we discussed the final budget presentation or preparation calendar for 24-25. Um, the next steps in this calendar year uh, on December 4th, it's curriculum initiatives, textbook request staff training to the uh, chief academic officer. And on December 22nd, the budget is due from all locations. Um, and then in the new year, you'll go through the actual budget presentation. Um, we also discussed the creation of a maintenance reserve account. This is item G22 on the agenda. We presently only have a capital reserve account. Uh, the reserve accounts allow the district to carry any unused funds from budget to budget. Um, adding the maintenance reserve account will give the district an extra option to carry over the excess funds to use for not only new capital projects, but also future unexpected maintenance needs. Uh, that's all we discussed. And with that, I would like to motion approval for items G2 through G27. I'll second. Any questions on items 2 through 27? I have my own motion to table items 21 and 27 in light of Dr. Guzmundi's statements that he is forming an advisory group on and sending a letter to the district on Wednesday. Um, I think that it's appropriate given the number of um, things presented tonight. Um, and the in the um, presentation and the amount of money that's involved here, and in light of the questions that were spent, I think before the board votes on anything regarding this, that it should be tabled at least until the next meeting. And I'd make that motion. Second. Roll call. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Nafis. I'm sorry, could you repeat what are we, which numbers are we saving? 21 what? and 27.
And the vote now is yes, if you would like them tabled, no, if you would not. I have a question. That motion was not seconded. It was. Second baggy. I can't hear tonight. I'm sorry. I apologize, everybody. Especially can't hear on that side of the room tonight. Tell me the question, please, Steve, again. Uh, it's a yes vote if you want these two items to be tabled. If it's a no vote if you do not want them to be tabled. So, um, no. No. Okay. Uh, Mr. Pernicari. Mrs. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. No. Mrs. Bailey. No. Mrs. Barna. No. Dr. Rashudi. No. Uh, in favor of not tabling. Am I saying it correctly? Sure, better ways to say it, but. It will not be tabled. It will not be tabled. Thank you. So now you need to re motion. So, all right. Um, all in favor of items two through 27. I'm a no on 21, 24, and 27. And I need to recuse myself from item number two. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, Ms. Schultz, 21, 24, and 27? 20, I'm sorry. 21, 22, 24, and 27. 21, 22, 24, and 27. But you're a yes for all the others? Yes. Okay. And then Mrs. Barna, say again. Sorry. I need to recuse myself from item number two. Item number two. Okay. Um, all motions carried. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Baggy. Moving on to curriculum, Ms. Nafis. Okay, so we had a curriculum meeting where basically we saw a condensed report on the NJSLA update with the ability to ask questions and um, we had discussion with Dr. Corvalla about the data. So now I'd like to make a motion to approve items two through 16. Motion per to carry. Second, my babe, sorry. Hit the button. Any questions on items two through 16? All in favor? Thank you, Ms. Nafis. Moving on to policy and community relations, Ms. Schultz. Thank you. Um, the policy committee did not meet um, this month, so it looks like most of these are uh, second re second readings. So I would make a motion to approve items two through five. Second. Any questions on items two through five? All in favor? Thank you, Ms. Schultz. Moving on to teachers personal negotiations, Ms. Barna. Thank you, Mr. President. We had a teachers and personnel negotiations, public placement, progress and welfare meeting on November 14th via Zoom. We discussed hires, including uh, instructional aides, bus drivers, uh, teachers, substitute teachers, coaches, as well as contracts with outside services for students. Items two through 45 will be a roll call. So I'd like to make a motion to approve items two through 45. 
Second. Any questions on items two through 45? Roll call. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Barna. Yes. Mrs. Nafies. Yes. Mr. Perticari. Uh, yes. Mrs. Schultz. Yes on everything except 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Okay. Uh, Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Dr. Rashidi. Yes. All motions carry. Thank you. Mrs. Barna. Finally, I'd like to make a motion to approve items 46 through 64, which are not a roll call. Second. Any questions on items 46 through 64? All in favor? Aye. Thank you, Ms. Barna. Courtesy extended to visitors. This portion of the meeting is open to members of the public who wish to address the board. The public is reminded that they should attempt to resolve problems and or complaints through initial contact with the appropriate administrators, director, or staff member. Such matters should only be brought to the board after all avenues within the chain of command have been exhausted. Residents who wish to address the board are required to state their name, their address, and the subject they will be speaking on. Can I get a motion to open up public comment for items related to non-agenda? Motion, Barna. All in favor? Public comment is now open on items related to the non-agenda. I see one in-person comment uh, from Mr. Deccan. Um, Matt Deccan. Um, my first is uh, I want to ask why we still have a half day for WDHS and WDMS um, during elementary um, parent-teacher conferences. Um, last year, I stood up here and I asked about that as well. And I was told that it was related to busing and busing schedules. But now we have control of those buses. So why are the middle school and the high school students going home for half days uh, because of parent-teacher uh, meetings at the elementary schools? It is still the same for the transportation right now. This is the first time we're running our entire fleet. Um, and we wanted to make sure that um, there were no issues or problems. Uh, we had that problem not just last year, it's been the year before as well, because of our timings are a little bit different. Um, as the high school principal, we used to have uh, students outside waiting for the elementary runs at an hour um, unattended. Mm -hmm. So it was really difficult. This was after a normal day, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do have in the idea that we'll be bringing up to the board um, but as we approve the new schedule, kind of ways to reduce two of those days. So we're working. Hopefully that'll, that'll come into play. Okay. But we we would have more control because of that. we have this, all the buses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We came up with, okay. <laughs> that was a question because uh, we, uh, yeah, not happy. We're not fan of the five days for high school, middle school. So we're seeing if we could reduce that as well. Um, my next item is related to uh, the last board meeting. I had actually asked about uh, a transfer um, when you guys were discussing the Greenfields Rod Grant and the updated HVAC. Um, I had inquired about the transfer that took place on uh, February 21st of 2023, where it was line item 22 on the agenda, where we actually transferred $603,000 out of a capital uh, outlay to a general budget. Um, to cover ex extra bus expenses. Um, at the time, we were still short 400,000. Um, I do have, and at the time, um, I don't think anyone here re remembered this. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I sort of brought that back up. So um, at that meeting, um, there was a vote to move that fund. Um, I followed up after that. And um, so yes, 
or $4,000 was transferred out of the Greenfields HVAC renovation account. Now that we have the Rod grant, where's the balance of that fund? The, the balance of what fund? The originally allocated money for the Greenfields HVAC renovation. I have um, emails from uh, Mr. McCauley, Mr. Gizmundi's on there. There was $1 million in capital reserve allocated to that. There was $775,000 of ESSER three money um, allocated to that, and then 603000 of budgeted. Um, and at the time, he also needed to find $400,000 by, I quote, pillaging the rest of the budget to find the other 400000 So I would like to know, now that we have this ROD grant that's supposed to cover or hopefully cover the Greenfields HVAC money, where is the balance of that original Greenfields HVAC account? So I guess you would call that the... the that last um, year? Yeah, it was last year. So, capital so from, what I, from what I can answer, um, there are two different conversations. The ROD grant itself, we're receiving ROD grant funds that'll cover a portion, a percentage of the project. Mm -hmm. The uh, million dollars that was withdrawn from capital reserve is still in our budget to be used for that same ROD grant project. And the $754,000 from ESSER 3 is still in the budget to be used for that project. So those funds are still allocated for this ROD grant project that hasn't been started yet because the official letter hasn't been sent out to school districts yet. Okay. But the, the, the 603,000 that was transferred out. Uh, and, and I realized that wasn't under your, right. My understanding though, when that was what the plan was to put that money back there. So is there, where did that 603,000 go? It, it, My, paid a bill. it paid a bill to the former contractor. Yeah. It, it didn't get replaced though. Like we didn't put that 603 back where we transferred it from. For this year, no. The goal, and I remember you asked a question about this with whatever the item was last month, two months ago. Um, at the end of every fiscal year, when the audit is complete, we are able to transfer funds from our excess surplus to capital reserve, right? So, so our audit is wrapping up now. Um, and it looks like we are able to transfer funds back into our capital reserve. The reason I personally wanted to put a maintenance reserve account here is kind of what Mr. Baggy read out loud earlier. Uh, it's more accessible in case of emergency. Uh, the district didn't have that. And that's why I think it'd be great to implement. Right. But, but yes, to answer your question, when the audit is complete, we do have a plan to transfer funds back into those reserves. We just don't have the exact number yet because the audit is not complete. Okay. But that 603 is not being allocated to the busing or to shore up the busing. Last Again, year, it paid a bill. It, it paid, paid a bill. bill last year for busing. Yeah. It paid the busing bill that when increased by that 900 something thousand dollars, it paid the bill. Like, right. No, no, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. was that 603 in your presentation slides? That was part of the overall amount that we paid to the contractor as a savings in in your graph or as a as an expenditure okay as a, yeah the the parentheses represented the total expenditures that we paid 
to the outside vendor, to the outside contractor. And that number was part of that, whatever the parentheses number was. He never answered that. I'll be honest. I mean, this went back and forth and yeah. there, there was, you know, yeah. very limited yeah, I don't back and forth discussion here, but I just want to make sure that 603 is not propping up or propping down any of the figures that were. No, it was, it was completely in the expenditure number to the contractor that was in the parentheses. Okay. So the fact that we're showing a savings of 709, but 603 was transferred out to cover a budget doesn't, that doesn't, I shouldn't be concerned about that. No, I, no. I, I think we're confusing. I think the, I, so if you remember the district didn't budget, no one had a clue if I recall, the increase of transportation went up almost expedite, like it was crazy and that was not budgeted. So that was last, you know, they paid a bill, they paid money to make sure we paid the private bill. Yeah. What was that? 35% increase of the overall, that was not. It's just in this email communication, which you're on, yeah. it does say that the money will be recuperated and put back. It wasn't. Maybe so I, I can, I can analyze the budget to see if it was. Um, I don't know. If, yeah. Maybe he misunderstood himself. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to say is um, back in December, I saw um an announcement that the Deptford High School, um, they actually were shot down with their controversial plan for unpaid meal policy. Um, I think they were holding some of the seniors diplomas um, if they had an unpaid uh, meal plan. Um, I remember at the end of the last year that being a discussion here, um, Deptford had to strike that down and they no longer can operate under that um, controversial policy. Are we still enforcing that here or in that's where that's a, it's, it's a, a mandate down from uh, federal money. You no, absolutely not. So it, it's no longer a thing. That no, any senior can still walk even if they have. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, that's that came down, and that's a, a smart move. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Deccan. Um, I do not see any more in-person, non-agenda uh, comments, Mr. Tuchier, and any virtual, non-agenda comments. Um, there are no virtual online comments at this time. Thank you, Mr. Tucci. Can I get a motion to close public uh, comment for non-agenda items? Motion, Barna. Second. All in favor? Moving on to old business. Um, can I get a motion to approve the closed session minutes of October 16, 2023? Motion, Baggy. Second, Second Carrie. Any questions on those minutes? All in favor? Uh, does any board member have any new business new business they'd like to discuss? I have a few items, sir, Mr. President. Um, I attended the fall county meeting for Cumberland and Salem County where a licensed professional counselor, mental health director spoke on how to avoid conflict, conflict with board members. I'm going to take this off so you can hear me better. Um, upon arrival, I thought to myself, other districts have conflicts with board members? And it's amazing... Um, some of the examples that came up, a little, a little disturbing, like some of the things you, you hear about on the news. Um, what's interesting to me is that most of these conflicts were experienced in executive session or during uh, committee meetings, absent from the eyes and ears of the public. And what the public does not know is what is happening behind closed doors in executive session. 
uh, without disclosing the content of what goes on in our own executive sessions, I can tell you from experience that these districts are not alone. Um, and what I took away from the fall county meeting is that we are an example of our for our children, and they look to us to make good decisions inside and outside of school. Um, from October 22nd through the 28th, I also attended the NJSBA workshop in Atlantic City. Um, Two-time gold medalist Carly Lloyd spoke candidly about her own personal life experience. Her theme was today's students, tomorrow's heroes. Carly empowered the audience to find their own success with lessons both in and beyond the world of sports. Uh, my last day at workshop uh, was a full day um, dedicated entirely to new laws in New Jersey education with presentations and breakout sessions with attorneys in the field of education. And just as a spinoff on um, something that um, Mr. Duncan had spoken about, um, there was a discussion that there may be um, funding for uh, free and reduced lunches in schools for, for kids uh, in the future. And I, I believe we talked something about that at the last meeting. Yeah, a couple months ago. Um, and finally, uh, speaking of NJSBA training, the next meeting for the Gloucester and Camden County will be at Adelphia on Thursday, December 14th at six o'clock. Um, and I believe uh, Jackie may be attending that. I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a good opportunity to uh, get some educational credits. That's it. Thanks, Mr. President. Thank you, Ms. Barna. Any other board members have any new business they'd like to discuss? Does any board member have any comments they'd like to make? Can I get a motion to adjourn? Motion, Baggy. Second, Barna. All in favor? Aye. Meeting is adjourned. Have a good evening.